3: Hello, my name is Justin Hamilton and welcome to Big Squid. In today's episode, I welcome comedian TV personality, but more importantly, uber nerd Rove McManus onto the show, and he's going to help me rip into issue five of Watchmen. Anyone who watches our Doctor Who show here in Australia, Whovians, will know that this part of the world is where you can see Rove in his natural habitat, and he brought uh, pages of notes to go along with this podcast, so you're in for a real treat even if we do try to take down William Blake and his rhyming schemes. I have a feeling we might not know what we're talking about, but we stand by our words. Uh, I'll keep this intro brief. Uh, I'm about to fly up to Brisbane for a run of gigs at the Sit Down Comedy Club before then flying down to Melbourne for some gigs down there as well. So I'm going to be on the road for just under two weeks, which means I'm going to miss Alexi and Ben for next week's Watchmen episode. And uh, totally, totally devoted over this one. Totally. Uh, But uh, up in Brisbane, my good pal, radio host and comedian Stav Davidson will be helping me out. So I'm looking forward to having him on board for what looks to be uh, a pretty important episode of uh, this Watchmen series. Uh, Two more quick things uh, for our overseas friends. Australia is dealing with terrifying bushfires around the country. And uh, we recently experienced for the first time in recorded history a day where not one raindrop fell on our country. And uh, at the moment I'm looking out the window of my apartment and the smoke is so thick it looks like my window is covered in dirt. That's exactly what it looks like. I don't expect anyone who is dealing with this situation to be listening to this podcast, but if you're someone who is related or has some connection to anyone out there, I just wanted to let you know that I wish you all the best. And, uh, you know, I hope we can not only get these fires under control as soon as possible, but uh, we can find a way as a united country to deal with the challenges we face ahead in our drastically changing environment. Uh, For... Anyone out there, if you can help in any way, and I know times are pretty tough, so this is just a suggestion, but there are places you can donate goods and even throw a dollar or two to one of the charities. don't think anything is too small, everything helps, and uh you know, I know we can kind of feel impotent as our governments uh, seems to do a very good job of hiding in situations like this. Uh, this is where uh, community comes to the fore, and we can show our true medal. On a lighter note, as many of you are well aware, I love David Bowie, have done so for 36 years since I first saw him on the Sirius Moonlight Tour back in 1983. I've been listening to the monumental re-release that just came out, uh, Conversation Piece, which contains a lot of home demos and remixes of albums and songs, Uh, there's many versions of the song uh, Space Oddity. And if you're a fan of that song, it's great to hear it in in all its uh, different iterations, slightly different lyrics here, slightly different tune there. Uh, this album uh, kind of revolves around the album that went by the names of David Bowie or Space Oddity, depending on when you bought it. And on that album, there is a brilliant nine-minute-plus song called Signet Committee, and I love this song. I think it's a real blueprint in many ways for songs like Sweet Thing off the Diamond Dogs album, Station to Station, and... Blackstar. So if you're a fan or even David Bowie Curious, check it out. If you have a Spotify account, I reckon that might be the best way to enjoy this uh, massive package of songs. And uh, you know what? If you have Spotify, I have three playlists up for my 2019 comedy show, The Ballad of John Tildanimus. For anyone who saw those shows, you know that music played a prominent role. I tried to use music in the shows the way you would use it in, uh, in TV and movies, you know, normally music and comedy is a sting, but this music is interwoven within uh, the, the context and the narrative of each song. Uh, so, I put up the three playlists there, so if, you're, if you saw those shows and you'd like to check them out, or if you're just wondering what music was used, uh, go and uh, check that out as well, please. Uh so much for keeping it short. Uh I'm I have a feeling that uh short is a word that maybe I don't really understand. Anyway, let's get stuck into this episode and I'll swing by at the end to say goodbye. So I know you have uh, a large Pez dispenser collection. <laughs> I do. Um, uh, how many do you have? Do you know? Oh gosh, it's probably close to two
4: hundred. Right. Maybe she's my, it's probably more than that. I did do an inventory check. I do have. I'm not going to lie here. Yep. I have an Excel spreadsheet. Yep. That has them individually itemized. Yep. In like here's all the Looney Tunes ones. Here's all the DC ones. Here's all the Marvel ones. Here's all the my little pony ones yeah and and then they're, they're, they are um, appraised by what they're worth, right and I have a, a running total of what my collection is worth
3: now is that because you are uh, super nerdy or is that insurance or a Su- bit of both
4: a bit of well, it started as just being super nerdy yeah um, I love categorizing things. I love um, order. Yeah, um, I'm part Capricorn. I'm a cusp of Capricorn and Aquarius. And Capricorn is uh, everything needs to be uh, ordered and organized. Uh, uh, cross the Ts and dot the I's, and then uh, Aquarius is. So then we can just do whatever the hell we want.
3: Right, right.
4: And that's kind of how I like doing things. Like whether it's writing stand up, is like I kind of r- I sit down and I write it all. Yeah. But then the hope is on the day you can just. Do whatever. Yeah. Same with, you know, that's why I like doing live television. Right. Have it all planned so then we can just muck around. Yeah. Um, So I think it was a bit of that. I just had had collected them and then my wife one day just went, you know what, we should find out, are, are these actually even worth anything? Right. And she bought me a PEZ price guide so then I could just sit there and individually look up each one. And find out how much it was worth, and that's then amazing. worse than that, go. Oh, you mean this one? Yep. If
3: I was to get that, it's worth that much, right? And
4: well, they can be worth a bit.
3: Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, collectors like it is. Each time you think of something, and then you do uh, a look into it, you mm. suddenly go, "Oh man, what, what? What did it used to be when we were growing up? Trash or treasure? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right.
4: And if I'm not mistaken, the guy who created created eBay, right? His wife was a Pez collector. Oh, right. And that's why he, eBay came about, because it was like there's a way of, um, it, we need to find a place where we can buy and sell these things online.
3: Yeah, right. That's I know cool there's fact. a
4: connection with, it's eBay and, and Pez collecting, is right. for that reason.
3: So do you have a, any Watchmen <laughs> Pez dispensers? They Are there don't, any? They don't
4: exist. Normally what happens is you get ones that come out uh, tied in with comic book characters, so you have a lot of the DC and Marvel. Right. They really go in for movie tie-ins nowadays.
3: That's where I thought they would have come about for Watchmen with uh, with the movie, but I guess it was an R-rated movie, so they're probably thinking, how many kids are going to want <laughs> having to sit there and explain? I mean, let's be honest. I don't know. I don't know
4: that Night Owl looks good in. Any kind of guys, the old old or new. I think. um, Imagine if there's like a a hooded justice. Oh yeah, a hooded justice one. Mummy, what's what's that rope around that man's neck for? Would be interesting, right? Um, (laughs) And because also you you don't know in advance. Like it could have been you know when they launched the Watchmen film. Right. I think they had all the intent of the in the world that this could be something quite big. You know, one of the greatest novels yeah. of all time being turned into a film. Yeah. Normally they'd have a heap of tie-in stuff, but I guess because of the content, I don't know if it was R-rated or not here. But... I think it was.
1: Yeah. And
3: also, the I, I think because the graphic novel is satirical, mm-hmm. I don't think for uh, the uh, movie-watching public, comic book movies have been around long enough for them to be satirised. In or, the movie world,
4: or to live in that world of of grey, and in a world uh, within the graphic novel itself, like everybody lives in a world of grey. Like there is, it's hard to know. Well, who is the bad guy? Who is the right. good guy? Right. Like is is Ozzy is is he really a villain or is he, or is he not? Like what he's trying to do, the outcome of it is, if you want to make an omelette, you've got to break a few eggs. Right. So is he really, you know, he's trying to bring the planet together. So is he really a villain? He could maybe do it a better way. (laughs) And then, you know, Rorschach, for what he's doing, you know, he's got twisted logic. But as I'm sure we'll get into in this chapter, like he's on the right path for what he's trying to do. Right. And what he's trying to prevent is correct and the right thing to do. But they, so everyone sort of has this, The characters themselves live – they are shades of grey. And Mm. this was one of the first times I remember really reading a comic book and and finding that. Yeah. They themselves see everything in black and white. Yes. There is no grey. There is – it's, you know, you are either doing the right thing or you're doing the wrong thing, despite the fact that we as outsiders can look at them and, and see all of the ambiguity between all the decisions they make. Right yet they themselves can't. It's really interesting. And I think uh, that was part of the problem with the film, is this like, well, wait a minute, are they good guys or are they bad guys? Because, wait a minute, apparently they're superheroes, but they're
3: one of them's attempting to sexually assault one of the other ones? Right. Well, that's also the problem with the movie in that uh, I think the flaw that, comes with it and by the way i've had people out on the facebook page in the last uh, few days asking are you gonna are you gonna do the movie after the series finishes and uh, there's a part of me that thinks yeah we should do that because then it would be fun to get ben Elwood on <laughs> and force him let's say you have to come up with three things that you like well <laughs> I, I i admit
4: i was one of those people who was very excited about it yeah um and even got to interview Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who's now gone on to do great things as the character of Negan on um, The Walking Dead. I right. think people forget he was even yeah. in the, f- the film. Yeah, uh, And Marlon Ackerman as well. Um,
3: I got to interview Marlon Ackerman for yeah, radio delightful. as well. And she was awesome.
4: And I think they, everyone had high hopes for it. Mm. But as is always the case, when you have high hopes for something, as we look at a... Yeah, the ninth installment of a Star Wars movie looming on the horizon. Yeah. Which is, like, please, JJ, fix everything. Like, there is this level to which sometimes the expectation is just too high. Right. And, you know, I think there's a reason why things like Game of Thrones are made as a television series or one Lord of the Rings novel is turned into three films because sometimes it's just it's just, it's just too much content to yeah. go, we're going to make, even I think it's a two, two and a bit movie. Yeah. Um but I st- went to watch it for for today. I thought oh, oh maybe i 'll just have another look at it as well and uh j- just time wise just went oh i I need to do other things i need to i want to reread the graphic novel and do a bit of research and stuff so but I started watching it going, i oh, know actually I think this is okay mm. with the expectation gone, you can look at it with just a set of eyes that is just enjoying a movie. Mm. Expectation is out the window and if anything you've reset the bar very low. So I maybe watched the first half an hour and went, "Oh actually this is okay." Right. Seeing how they're setting up the world now, yeah, especially in comparison to what's happening with the HBO series, I said they go, "No, yes, you did, you did a pretty good job of it." The whole opening sequence is all it's, it's doing so much uh, exposition, yeah, 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 around uh, around opening titles, yeah, that's done in a very creative way that I think actually stuck the landing.
3: Yeah, well, you, the the flaw with the film is that it's you get the impression that Zack Snyder thinks it all like that Raw Shark is cool and yeah. that Owl is cool, mm. and they're not. Mm. Like they're you know one's a maniac and the other one is a schlub. <laughs> yes. uh, you know being nice about it and it always reminds me there's a story about when uh, Radiohead had first started as a band and were touring as support for Tears for Fears in the States (laughs) and Tears for Fears were really into them and as a as a little bit of a hey we've had Radiohead touring with us um did a cover of Creep but kind of missed the the satire and Creep and Really did it as a torch anthem, and the the Radiohead uh, guys were like, "Ah, uh, thanks." And I, <laughs> that's how I feel about the Watchmen movie. It's yeah. like I'm really into this. I love it. I I I, I can't imagine anyone else doing this, and I'm going to put all my heart and soul into yeah. it. And then you watch it and you go, "I think you missed the important part, which is it's a satire, and you know, getting rid of the uh, the the big squid at the end is exactly right. Is like it's it's meant to be ridiculous. It's meant to be. What the fuck well, is it has happening? Because it, it has to be.
4: What is the most ludicrous idea right somebody could have to go, this is how I'm going to bring the planet together. Yeah. And it's not just as much as the murder mystery element is probably what you'd say is the takeaway. Right. You you have to have that bizarre you know big idea mm. that you know if you if you take that out it's a it's a big it feels like a big robbery. But I think you're right. I think you you and Alexi touched upon it, I think, when you were maybe co- covering Chapter 3, I think, mm-hmm. which is the lo-fi pissiness of everybody's superhero costumes.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah.
4: And even the idea, like, you know, they're not superheroes because they don't have superpowers. They are costumed adventurers. Yeah. And I think part of the problem Zach had was he was looking at them more as like, I'll make them steampunky and a bit kind of cool. And you go, no, no, they're meant to look like to harken back to a, a recent uh, uh, episode of the HBO series, a guy just in a lycra outfit who then oils uh, himself up to slide down a gutter. Right. So, you know, it he lo- looked like he was a child. Oh, yeah. They so- needed to look like... If you, if you as an average Joe, walk in the street, because that's who all of the Minutemen and, and, and Watchmen were for the most part. If you just decided, I want to be a hero... What what would you do? What would be your costume? It wasn't you weren't wrapped in your cape like Superman with the logo already on there. Yeah, you know you don't have uh, multi millionaire funds like. uh, Bruce like Wayne. Bruce Wayne, yeah, you would end up like that great scene in the very, very original Spider-Man movie, where you see the oh, montage yeah, of yeah. him getting the costume <laughs> ready, and you're waiting for the big reveal, and it turns out to be really, really pissy.
3: Such a such an underrated moment oh, in so any of great. those movies. Like, oh, here we go. Yeah, and it's so funny <laughs> uh, for for people listening. the The way we're recording this, I'm very much recording this as if I am Doctor Manhattan. So we are recording. This chapter mm-hmm. after episode four mm-hmm. of uh, of the TV series. So just to keep people in the loop when we talk about that episode, if you're thinking, "Hang on, you guys already covered this," but Rove and I haven't seen each other no, to talk as about. We, as it we, at we all. talk,
4: it's only just happened, which I know is weird because I'm like you guys. I've been listening, going, you know, it feels like this is all chronological. Yeah, and then somebody will reference even. I think you know two episodes ago, this comic book version of the podcast. Yeah. Oh, I haven't watched the first episode of the TV series yet. Oh, mate. (laughs) Because it was only on yesterday. Wait
3: wait till we get to uh, episode, uh, chapter six (laughs) with Ben Elwood and we discuss whether, uh, what's the... Is there any moral ambiguity in using real-life situations to tell a story? And then that was well before the series started. Oh, and then God. you watch the first episode and you go, "Well, I guess that just answered uh, a lot of our questions." But uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the yeah, the lube guy. By the way, like. W- w- When he started squeezing the stuff on him, and I talked about this with Alexi and Ben, did you think he was going to set himself on fire? I was the same as you. That's what I thought was going to happen.
4: I thought it was, it was. It's like the cyanide pill. It's another. Who are the? Who is this guy? What's he? You know. And I know as as everybody's listening to this, this we probably know who that guy was, what his motivations were.
3: Uh, Alexi's uh, obsession with it being Agent PD based on his lips.
4: Well, yeah, (laughs) I. Laughed so hard yeah. at that moment. Yeah. It was it was a fantastic moment yeah, that made me laugh out loud. I just went, what an extraordinary idea. Because right. when you first look at him, you go, that's exactly what I expect yeah. one of these vigilantes to be. He's not muscular. He's no. not built you know, in ridiculous uh, bodybuilder shape. Not even no. just fit. He's like, you know, a lot of the DC characters were just given these ridiculous... Barrel chest, like yeah. Superman and Batman, just like they weren't athletic; they were just like they were muscle guys, yeah. Which almost didn't make sense for for who they were as individuals. But this guy was just like, yeah, he looks like I would have been at that age. <laughs> and that's my build if I was trying to be a superhero. Because yeah. sometimes your your hormones just aren't there to help you up, yeah, jack up the way you want to legally, yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought it was just such a great, a great idea, and one of the few things that a show like this can do in the world that Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons have, have created here yeah. of these characters that, you know, um, even even in the, the comics themselves, that's what I love about all the Under the Hood extracts. Mm. When you're hearing about, you know, the first time Hollis has gone out, uh, and he nearly died the first time round mm. because he had the little domino mask on with a piece of string. Yeah. And he's just had a tussle with a drunken mugger yeah, who's lunged at his face and gouged him in the eyes and pulled his mask down.
3: Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's, that recalls where uh, Alan Moore used that in the killing joke with yeah. the Joker. The Joker pulls down Batman's mask. Yeah, 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 that's mask. right. And it was like one of the first times I'd ever thought,
4: oh, yeah, why don't you more people do that. do that? Just twist it around.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. Um which also
4: uh leading into to to where this chapter goes uh, you know a, a bit with um again touching on the black and white and shades of gray, that sort of stuff as well is the idea of heroes going out, you know this idea of the origin story is you know you get bitten by a radioactive mm. spider or you get you know you're put in some you know nuclear fission machine, and mm. suddenly you're this blue god with a f- tremendous wang. Yeah. Um, a lot of wang in this series. Wang. Yeah. Um but the idea is uh yeah, and Spider-Man did this well. If you well you've got to go out and have your first crack at this. Yeah. And you, and you're never going to get it right first time. I always look at that when you think about people who are like someone who's a heart surgeon. Right. And they're like they're the best in the biz. But you think at some point you had to do that for the first time. Oh, yeah. And you had done all the training and you yeah. read all the textbooks, but the first time you had to go out and do your practical of, I'm going to attempt to cut someone open, yeah. rip something out and put it back in, yeah. stitch them back up and, and, it, and it works. And maybe it doesn't. Or There's always that, you're never going to get it right every time. And to think about that with superheroes and the way it's written in under the hood sounds very much like what you hear... Of serial killers, right? You know that idea of uh, it comes up a lot in any anyone who sort of studies that sort of criminal psychology thing. Uh, I, I'm really fascinated with the mind of, of serial killers. The, the Mindhunter show was a really great oh, example yeah, of that. Yeah. Of well, well, the first time I did it, I went out and just stalked somebody, and right. then I tried this, and then and then it builds to now I've got the confidence, yeah, to do what I, I need to do, which. Um, Alan Moore also touched on with the from hell, yeah, from hell, yeah. Um, but that's it. It's like you, the the um, the way that it's described in Under the Hood is also yeah. Well, depending on which way you choose to do things, you have to try it that first time. Yeah, and it's no different to whether you're a good person or a bad person. It has to. It's really which the steps you take and which path you choose to take those steps down. Yeah, is is a really fascinating. Concept. It's what I liked about the Brightburn movie, despite the fact that it—I don't think it was properly there, right? But that idea of yeah, what if Superman just kind of decided no, yeah, <laughs> I won't be—I won't use these powers for good. I will use them for evil. Yeah, it's, uh, a, great, it's a great concept.
3: It feels like a natural uh, way to go as well. Um, before we get into the recap, how did you read this initially? Issues or as is a graphic novel?
4: Uh, graphic novel, but uh, only just after. It was released because this was sort of right at the my perfect window of when I was like I'd say full time reading comic books. So the right. sort of late eighties, early nineties. Um, so around the t- so I I did get it uh, after the the issues had all been released. So I got the the graphic novel, right? Which was great because I could read it straight through, uh, and loved it, and and I loved every element of it. I loved. Um, the fact that it had your traditional, I'd say traditional, you know, comic book layout, mm. um, as much as the, the structure of it was the likes of which I'd never seen the content was just, it was just so deep, but I also loved, I loved all the excerpts at the end of each chapter where, right. you know, you're getting you know, elements of a scrapbook or a piece of other text. Um, and even the pirate story within yeah, the comic within the comic like you'd you'd go down a, a path where one scene finishes and then uh, you you get the next part of the next story within the story, so you sort of race into okay well what's happening within the, this main Watchmen story? But then oh let's get the next update on what's happening in under the hood right? And then oh let's find out what's happening next with this guy who's making a raft out of dead bodies yeah. I mean it was all you know and then you get engrossed in that and then you go back to the the main story again it was It was a great way of just continuously pulling me through, so I was quite thankful that the way I got to read it was straight through at my own pace, so I could just devour the whole thing at once well
3: that's a, that's what I'm enjoying about uh people freaking out that they have to wait week to week for the episodes. It's like mate, we had to wait like months for months for the chapters, so yeah. Make, it gives me that uh, slightly nerdy, oh, well, you think you've got it bad, you know, yeah. that kind of... I was the obnoxious binge-watcher before it even existed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, let's get into the issue five, which is uh, Fearful Symmetry, or Fearful Symmetry," if we go with the poem at the end. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't get me started Jeez, on it. Jeez, like, what a, what a disaster. Um... Rorschach returns to the home of Moloch to ask more questions about the visit from the comedian as he's deduced that the list Blake was talking about has much in common with the allegations that Dr. Manhattan had given cancer to most of his close friends. Once Rorschach realises that Moloch doesn't have anything to do with the plan, he decides to leave his former enemy alone, but informs him of a drop point where he can leave a message if he remembers anything new. Meanwhile, Dan invites Laurie live with him... uh, You know what, I would cut that out, but it's more fun to leave in mistakes. Meanwhile, Dan invites Laurie to live with him after Dr. Manhattan's disappearance uh, prompts the military to evict her from their government housing. Rorschach hides in plain sight, not dressed in his usual costume and watches not only the drop point, but also his two former superhero friends spending time together. Across town, Adrian Veidt is on his way to a meeting when he's attacked by an armed man. After the man shoots Vite's secretary, the ex-hero takes the man down, but before he can discover who was responsible, the attacker bites down on a cyanide capsule and dies instantly instantly. Shark finds a note from Moloch at his drop point, so that night he pays him another visit. When he arrives, though, he discovers that Moloch is dead and the police are now outside. Realising he's been set up, Shark attacks the police and tries to escape by jumping out of a window. He lands on the ground, but is injured, and before he can escape, he's unmasked and taken into custody. Uh, the issue finishes with a William Blake quote from the the tiger 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 burning bright in the forests of the night what immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry tree yeah uh, i don't know what what hurt me more as a kid finding out that Rorschach was that crazy redheaded guy walking around with the sign or trying to work out if that was try or tree
4: <laughs> i remember that was one of those ones that they would always wheel out in high school yeah and I would sit there going, "Yeah, firstly, you know who spells tiger with a Y? Let's—that's just ridiculous." Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, just you could go back and and rewrite that so uh, you know you're rhyming it better. If you want to have the word I, think of something better at the end. Come or on, if you William want because like I don't think it was ever pronounced Symmetry. I don't ever. know either. And maybe that was Blake's intent. Was just like oh, I'm just gonna really annoy you. It's, it's rhyming couplets until this bit at the end. Where he's like,
3: oh. If, if someone has uh, an <laughs> explanation for how that works, I <laughs> we would love to know.
4: Uh now at this point too, I should I should also weigh in, as I know has been discussed here before, Yeah. with uh so I've always said Moloch. Oh yeah. Um so between that and Volks Oz, Mandius. Well, I kind of and... feel like
3: not knowing how to pronounce Ozzy Mandius or Ozzy Mandius is in keeping with the Poem, really? And then you, yeah, and then you, vite, vite, <laughs> yeah, was abrupt because I had that
4: when like for years, I like <laughs> my whole I life, have, I've like, said vite. When I was reading Harry Potter before the films were released, it was Hermione. Oh. I didn't, I, I didn't know. Apparently, it's quite. It, it, I don't know. The name Hermione exists, yeah, but which I was not aware of because I, I remember bringing it up with my wife. Just like, yeah, there's some. I don't know, author or poet or actress or someone who has that name, right? And I was like, no, I see in my head it was always Hermione until later books where it's it's someone is talking to her and it's uh, yeah, anyway it, it's explained better. I
3: literally but when only the film came
4: out, I just went, wow, yeah. What it's like when you brush your teeth and then drink orange juice? It's, oh yeah, it's a bit. It's, it's a it's an abrupt effect that you need it, a, a bit of getting used to. It's so funny.
3: Uh, I literally only knew how to pronounce Hermione because Bowie had a song about it, and there I think I go. said. Hermione or whatever to, to my mum at a young age and she said it's pronounced Hermione but that's the only reason I was ahead of the curve on uh, that <laughs> name but it's, it is jarring it was uh, even when we're doing the podcast it's uh, it's so ingrained in a lot of people like mm. I actually have to really when I read the name I have to really concentrate on saying Vite mm. it's it just gets stuck in your head. Uh, <laughs> uh. So this entire issue is laid out like a mirror image where panels and pages reflect one another. So as an example, page one reflects page 28, page two reflects page 27, etc. cetera. Uh, they reflect not only the layout, but also the content. And I was wondering, what do you think this means, if anything, to the story taking place? Well,
4: I think there's... Uh, I, I don't know if it's a direct... Like, the symmetry of it is meant to be there. Mm. Except this comes back to what I look at. You know, the the symmetry of it is done in the symbolism mm. of, like, um, what is Rorschach's mask? Right. And, you know, what is uh, an an actual Rorschach test? Yeah. You put ink on a page. Everyone's almost done it as a kid. Yeah. You f- you fold the piece of paper in half. Yeah. So it's two it's two halves of the same hole that look the same, but that th- quite clearly they're not. And there's a lot of this imagery within the pages anyway. Right. Where um, even there's a lot of um, imagery with um, when um, Dan and uh, Laurie are having their conversations. Right. You're
3: seeing it through the reflection in the in the the mirror. You mirrors. see her walking away with him looking yeah. at her leaving the reflection you also see in when, the reflection yeah, when, him seeing her you know start to get undressed and feel a bit awkward. That's
4: right. And even when they're in the cafe it, when you first see see Dan's chewing on a bit of a chicken leg. Mm. And the speech bubbles uh, it's not coming out from his mouth. So mm. at first you think oh it's that very clever Alan Moore technique of what you're seeing in the panel mm. is being discussed elsewhere. You know, there's like the, the the links in between like what might be in Rorschach's journal or what's happening in the the comic book that's being read. And then the speech bubbles, almost like a, a voiceover into a next scene in a film. Right. You think that's what's going on. Or someone else's conversation is mirroring what these two are talking about. And it's not until there's a... I think like three panels in to that conversation, you realize, oh no, it's just like what we're looking at is their reflection in the mirror behind right. them in the cafe, and then the same thing, yeah, happens when they get to his house. So it feels like there's, there's, to me, it's it's all tying into that again the the shades the black or white sides of that every human being has that seems to come up a lot in this to the point where even yeah the the main character is based off. Uh, a psychological exam right. based on an ink test that's yep. meant to be symmetrical two halves of the same hole you know yeah um so yeah i think that's apart from the fact it's just really fucking clever
3: <laughs> right well that's it and so th- so i don't know about you but uh, it's it's one of those things that when i look back to when i was a kid and this was this was definitely the comic that I tried to use as the proof that they weren't just for kids as Mm -hmm. I was a kid trying to explain it to adults. And this would be the issue often that I would show them and show them how it matched up. And in hindsight, I reckon if you're not into it, you still kind of think at best, ah, that's pretty cool. And at worst, you still think, who gives a fuck? Yeah, like, and like it's it, a funny thing to point out yeah. as the thing to oh this has grown up but i think i think it's really clever and i think it's really well done but it, i'm not sure if if it's actually adding anything to the exactly, story like, which yeah, i've never thought about before uh, uh,
4: you know f- for me to look at it now with an analytical eye mm. for the purpose of this podcast that's how i interpret it well right. what is the other cuz everything seems to be there for a reason right. with this um So, which I also look at with the television show. It's like for all these bits that that seemingly feel like they're quite odd. Yeah. I know or certainly feel that it will all make sense because it's made by people who love this comic book. Yeah. And that's exactly what this comic book does. So, yeah, is there a level to which I'm reading too much into it? Right. But the fact that I can, I'm sure, you know, if you talk to Alan Moore, he would say, it's up to you. Right it. Maybe we did Maybe we didn't um, But the fact that you can Just goes to show Just How deep This This uh, Text is And how enriching it is If you really want to get into it If you just want to read it As a comic book You can Yeah But even the the What you'd say is the Central point Of the Of this chapter Where Veet Vite Is having Is Thwarting is... his Apparent So called mugger Right Or assassin I should say Um Although it's on uh, a right-hand page that then you flip and it becomes the left-hand page on the next side, mm. it's made to be a double-page yeah. spread. Yeah. But it's intentionally made to not be across two pages. Right. But that has to be a choice. Right. So that the, what looks like the far-right panel of him clocking the guy with the statue or whatever he's got then you turn the page and you see the other half of that drawing on the on the um, right ha- left hand panel of the next page. Right, is one solid panel. Like if you look at them together, it's those two pages should, in any other comic book, be a center page. Right, that it, share a sp- that, that share a, a page uh, break in the middle, and it doesn't. And that's really clever, but it also quite frustrating, like an uh, eye symmetry, symmetry. Right, it's kind of. <laughs> a, I really like it, but at the same time, it's kind of jarring
3: it's uh going back and looking at it uh again as well the the use of the uh dave gibbon's artwork Mm. when you know that that guy doesn't know that he's putting the cyanide capsule into his mouth he actually does look fearful Mm. at the time when you read it you think oh he's looking fearful because he's losing yeah yeah yeah. but when you look back at it he's looking as to say what is happening happening (laughs) this wasn't the
4: plan yeah which is one of the other things too um I, I'm not the, the biggest expert in Dave Gibbons, although I do love his work with Doctor Who magazine and Doctor Who comic books. Mm. Um, but one of the things I only really noticed um, rereading it this time around is just the complete lack of sound effects. Most comic oh, books yeah. Yeah. have... There's so much action going on. Someone can get whacked with a, with a statue or, you know, for all the... the yeah, even the opening sequence with the comedian going out a window. Like normally, right. you'd have the, not even the word crash, but it would be done in that sort of PS type of way of just yeah. crush or you know the the
3: famed Wolverine snicket, yes, or a TARDIS warp. But you don't get any of that. It's complete. It's so silence. funny how there's sound effects from comics where you just like you know Nightcrawler <laughs> is bamf. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, but it's
4: all done with the the. The vocals of the characters. There's a lot of, like, even when someone breaks down crying, it's the, the 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 level of detail that's put into the sounds that are made is incredible.
3: Yeah, looking. Uh, I've just opened up that uh, double page oh, spread, go. and it's um, it's fascinating to to think that there isn't any. Uh, no, it's all action. Yeah, like even the the woman getting the secretary getting shot in the mm-hmm. background. Uh, uh, I think there is. Maybe only a handful of examples of, uh, n- there's no sound effects, but there's only a few examples of like motion as well, with mm. motion lines. For the most part, it is all Dave's artwork expressing even, what's
4: happening. Uh, and again, it's because of the, the way the chapter is set out, it's mirrored from the, the first time uh, Rorschach goes into uh, Moloch's yeah. apartment, which... Two quick things before I get into it, the point I want to make. Just what, what, the comedic moment of Moloch looking back in the fridge. Uh, so I had, I had written so down... just on, Wait a minute. Oh, man.
3: I, so I had it written down here, which was um, literally... I feel really... Like, I know he's a bad guy, but I feel really sorry for him because one of my true joys in life is opening my fridge. <laughs> he's terrified. But
4: also there's a wonderful three-panel sequence of him comedic, comedically realising the situation he's yeah. in, where he, he's he got a gun in his hand. Yeah. Quite clearly he was going to shoot his would-be assailant, not knowing at the time who it was going to be. And when yeah. he realises, you see there's a moment where he's he's staring at Rorschach, he stares down at the gun, and it's just his eyes. Yeah. It's almost the same three panels, but all you've got is this... This animation in his eyes as he looks down at the gun and looks back
3: up again. <laughs> yeah, that w- once again people forget that this is really funny. Yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah, uh, but yeah, just the way the panels are set out at the start, where you know you're looking down at the reflection of a sign in in a in a puddle of water. Mm. Foot comes in and and breaks that image and then s- moves out of frame and you and you see the ripples that are left behind. happens again later on and even just the whole sequence is you see this mysterious at the time figure walking into an apartment building right and then uh you see the apartment building and then we see the the top floor window it's like a storyboard right for a for a film like you're you're seeing action and normally and maybe I, i i'm misremembering this but it felt to me like there was so many jump cuts in the action of of comics that i was reading where it wasn't the meticulous way they would lay it out like this wasn't always there this was the first time i remember being really acutely aware of how cinematic it can be because right. it is a visual art form
1: well the
3: the scripts were written like screenplays as oh, well right. i think uh, i, I I'm not saying I'm entirely right with this, but I think uh, Go on, a lot of are. the... Well, maybe I yeah. know, I know you feel like you are. I feel like I am. But the uh, I think the British invasion of, uh, you know, the um, Grant Morrisons and Neil Gaiman's and Alan Moore's, mm-hmm. Jamie Delano's, Pete Milligan's, all those guys, I think they kind of wrote more scripts. And in America, there was also the Marvel method where it was, you know, Stan Lee would say to Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko or yeah, John right. Romita Jr., you know, here's my idea, then they would draw it. And then Mm. he would add the dialogue. Mm. So there were these two different uh, schools of thought. But it does, um, yeah, it does look incredibly cinematic. And I, I think, once again, Zack Snyder loving, loving, the comic, and that, that's why some of the scenes do look amazing because they are literally (laughs) the, the storyboard of the comic. And you've got to be careful because
4: you don't want to just recreate shot for shot, which you could for this. Oh, yeah. Comic book. Yeah. It's it's almost there for you to just completely recreate, even the angles. And, you know, sometimes you're getting dialogue happening, you know, at, but it's as a voiceover, as you see something right. else, or, you know, midway through a conversation, we go to a wide angle, or even as we were talking about before, two characters uh, having a discussion, but you're watching the whole thing from yeah. reflection in a mirror. Like if a director was to do that, you'd say, oh my God, that's genius. Right. Right. But if Zack Snyder was just to come in and, and replicate that shot for shot, you'd get w- what I would say was one of the flaws of the recent Lion King remake, which was it looked great, but it really was just shot, literal shot for shot replication right. of the original one. It didn't take us anywhere new, yeah. I felt, or give us any new sh-
3: looks or shots or, or vision. Um, How are they going to make remake that next? Like, what's what's the next move? Like, now, like it was a cartoon then you made it into a CGI realistic movie. So what's the, like, is... It's you, this
4: idea of we want everything that was animated to be live action now. Just, I don't understand why we need... It'll
3: be, I don't, I don't know, we'll go back to... It'll stick be figures. Stick
4: figures. Or we'll go
3: back to, like... Stop a, motion animation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> animated gels kind of thing. Um, so Rorschach is portrayed as someone who is paranoid and his idea that Moloch is the arch enemy... It's kind of idiotic when you see the man. Like, that he's looking at this guy thinking, I think he might be behind a vast conspiracy. Yet it turns <laughs> out he's right to be suspicious and was correct about the comedian's list and Dr. Manhattan allegations. So does this mean he's either smarter than everyone else or, like a broken watch, being correct twice a day? If you're always paranoid, you're <laughs> bound to be correct at some point.
4: I I think you're right. I think it's the latter. It, <laughs> right. It to me is yeah, If you throw enough shit at the blanket, some of it's going to stick. Right. <laughs> um. But that's I guess that's how it works for anybody, really. You right. Know? Um. When yeah. You're not the you know quote unquote smartest man in the world, and yeah, you know, even that could be argued. Yeah. Uh, well, lots
3: of lots of people complain. I've seen it uh, stated as a flaw in the comic that the smartest man in the world comes up with such an idiotic plan. That's part of, like, I think that's part of what makes it satire. Like, he is the smartest man in the world, and look what he's just done. Like, if you don't do anything, Russia's not going to do anything because America has Rorschach. Like, everything's...
2: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes, until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
4: Actually fine. It's, (laughs) and it happens in in this chapter anyway. What he's got to do is he's got to think of, it seems ludicrous, but it's also seeming ludicrous in a a book, a very realistic, grounded comic book where a grown man dresses as an owl. Yes. So let's not lose sight of that. Yes. And then decides to hand on that mantle and the next person says, "I too will take on the owl costume." Yeah. I won't I won't alter it. I think owl I think an owl is great. Yeah, I'm into <laughs> owls. But you see in uh in this chapter the reason why Laurie is being is being kicked out is because Dr. Manhattan has suddenly disappeared and in doing mm. so triggers the Russian Afghanistan uh, invasion. invasion. Yeah. Because suddenly the one s- very public weapon that the US has had, which is Dr. Manhattan has decided, well, he's gone mm. and how terrifying and, and left the planet. He hasn't jumped to the other side. Mm. He's l- literally left the planet. So now what do the US do? Like you can, they panic mm. and suddenly they don't know what to do. Anyone associated with him is, is, is useless to us. Yeah. Cause we don't need you anymore. So suddenly you see that panic sets in. So what other option is there to try to bring everybody together? You can see how one simple spoke being Dr. Manhattan is taken out of the wheel and everything falls apart. Right. It, uh, it's not like, oh, phew, we don't have to worry about the other side attacking us now. It now becomes, oh, they're vulnerable. Yeah. So
3: now it's our turn to get them we do what we want to do without them stopping us. But So, you know, Adrian is uh, obviously feeling like he's being altruistic by bringing the world together. Yeah. But this was... Dr. Manhattan being there was probably the closest we were going to get to uh, everyone just, uh, yeah, let's just stay over in our side. Like, we can yeah. kind of push back against things, but the problem is he could turn up, you know, like if they... I think it's even stated at one point, if we launch... If Russia launched missiles, he could turn them into butterflies before they made their way over. Yeah. So, so he wants to. He's claiming, like lots of crazy people in positions of power, that he's being altruistic, but he's realistically just wanting to be the person who I did this, like I saved the world. Like this is all me. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And you know, to the extent we go, is it because you know you're running
4: out of options for? The new line of action figures. Oh, yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> got to sell some
4: stuff. Which, you know, uh, truth be told, would buy if I was in this world oh. at that time. Would have. They look really good. I would have been uh, <laughs> You'd have these probably p- about 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. And would be looking back now, cursing myself that I opened them and took them out of their box. Oh, why did I play with them? But it's, it's again, yeah, it's that idea (laughs) of, okay, well, you're also dealing with a world where the Vietnam war was won by the Americans because they had Dr. Manhattan. You see him towering in his giant mode and it looks like he's literally pointing at the ground and things are blowing up. Yeah. So would you say that's good because he has gone in and, and napalmed everybody but well. because the US won, does that mean that, well, then that outcome is okay and the and the way that they got there is okay? Right. It's the same thing playing out in the television series. Well, that's
3: it. It feels like that sequence is turning out to potentially be way more important than we yeah, ever imagined right? when the series began.
4: So when you're seeing law enforcement people bringing in the bad guys, yeah. but then physically and mentally torturing them to get what we need which is who murdered this guy. Mm. So it's a means to an end and does that justify it? It's a whole I look at that and go it's it's Guantanamo Bay.
3: Right. So right. we
4: are the US military, so we are the good guys yeah. and we're bringing in the terrorists but to get the information we need we have to do things that when everybody finds out about it suddenly it flips. Yeah. And the bad guys become the good guys and vice versa and that's exactly what's happening here. It's Yeah so ahead of its time with what's happening right even to the point of when i see i never thought of this before until i was reading it this time seeing adrian put on his v cufflinks oh. in his big tower and come down in his escalator as he's talking about you know he's got his nostalgia perfume right. and he's got his action figures and here he is this great you know so-called intellectual with a ton of money and everything has his name on it. it's such a trump idea yeah that you you know it it was he's really brand. startling, right? When yeah. when I was looking at it this time around,
3: he's a he's a lot fitter though, and <laughs> a, lot, a lot fitter, and a, a little less orange. <laughs> the uh I, I feel like uh, this you know the the action scene towards the end of this chapter with Raw Shark mm. is one of the things that as uh, he's trying to escape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like it's it's one of the 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 moments that stops like when people think about Raw Shark rather than think. He is insane and has so many flaws. They often think of this sequence and think, oh, that is such a cool sequence. He's so yeah. cool because he's inventive. He's, you know... It gets, he, it he gets nearly into full-diver mode, doesn't
4: he? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you know, just grabbing the household items around him. Yeah. Um,
3: Throwing salt into people's eyes. Yeah, I remember when I first people. read it,
4: what I thought he had done somehow... Because there's the reveal of, oh, it's just... you know, e- Even at the time, it's like, I think I know who that is. It's right. the I think that's meant to be the end is nigh sign guy. Yeah. But uh, either way, just the reveal of, oh, that's who it is. Mm. I thought he had somehow... There was a, a bit that we had missed in between, whether it was predetermined or he somehow jumped through to another apartment, but basically put his costume on another guy and threw him out the window. Oh, right, right. And it wasn't, there's a couple of lines as he lands who, because it just also seemed like he's too smart to then just leap out the window to basically get captured by the cops. Because you do, you look at him and it's, it's the, the older routine of like, you know, you, you want, you want him to get away. Even though for what he's, he's done, you do walk in there and his beliefs and what have you, you, you walk in there going, yeah. So he, he was, he was set up. Right. And that, Instantly makes you sympathetic towards him. Yes, for all he's done, the way he thinks, the way he speaks, he didn't. He didn't shoot that guy. He no. didn't murder anyone. Leapt
3: out of his
0: fridge
4: and scared the, the shit out are of him. There. They've been they've been tipped <laughs> off that he's there. So they, yeah. this poor so bugger's been yeah. set up. Yeah, and even when he you know later on is put in prison and is is. Broken out, you're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs>
3: you know, it's a complete Walter he White. He deserves one. to have
4: that, you know, despite the fact he's 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 machete dogs in the head, but that's not
3: the point. This just, is why it's meant to this is why the series has to be on HBO because it's one of those classic yeah. anti hero, uh, you know, ahead of the curve. It's, it, people people supporting Shark are, are also probably the same people that got angry at Skylar saying, Hey, just <laughs> let the guys make meth, just let him make meth, just let him make meth. It's for the great, he's trying to help Jeez. you guys, gosh, Jeez. Just shut up
4: and launder the money through the car wash. Do as you're told.
3: God. (laughs) Um, William Blake was uh, seen as a rebel, prophet, and master of the occult, which has then seen his work appropriated throughout the years into such objects as tarot cards and a church that engages in readings of his work. His work has also been projected as a signifier for other knowledge and and he's also turned up as a reincarnate, Reincarnated banker in Jim Jarmusch's movie Dead Man, and I'm wondering: is there a future where we see Alan Moore depicted as such? Like, because you, because you know, I'm. So th- here's the thing: so Watchmen comes out, and then you know they use the smiley face, and we've t- I've talked about yeah. that in previous podcasts, and then the smiley face ends up becoming the face of the. uh you know, house acid generation of the 90s. We He he creates V for Vendetta and uses the Guy Fawkes mask, which is now used as anonymous. Mm -hmm. His work has permeated so many artists, like to the extent that Lindelof doing Watchmen is almost like him repaying the debt of what he learned from it in shows like Lost and The Leftovers. Like I remember... As when I was watching Lost to begin with, and the episode where um, oh, I've just drawn a blank on his name—the the Scottish guy that's bouncing back and forth—Desmond is back uh, bouncing back and forth through time. I watched that and was like, "Oh, this is his chapter four with Doctor Manhattan," yeah. which he's subsequently said, "Yeah, that was that was me doing my riff." On it, so you've seen Alan Moore's work in so many places, influencing so many people. He has his detractors. You know, Grant Morrison thinks Watchmen is too tight. He thinks it's too too meticulously constructed, so therefore uh, it, it doesn't breathe. That's his kind of issue with the with the comic. Uh, and you know, as I said, people, some people think that the the plan is idiotic, which I think is. The whole point of the plan. So I wonder, are we going to see like a Alan Moore turning up in a Jim Jarmusch style <laughs> movie as a character? Because he he's so much larger than life, and he's so interesting because he sticks to his principles.
4: Yeah, I think he, I, I think he has all the ability to do that. I mean, you know, he depending on your point of view, he's he could be as you know dark and depraved as a. You know, Rob Zombie type character, where you just like he—he he looks like well, I mean, he dabbles in the occult and things right. like that. Or you could sit there saying, "Oh, he's this adorable Dumbledore type character." Maybe he's both, and he—well, yeah, that's it. He's almost as much as his the characters that he creates. he's you know, he can be whichever point of view you want to endow him with. Right, he can be that for you. Yeah, um, I think he's one of those guys who. At least I'm pleased that he's been recognised. Like, you know, you talk about um, Blake and his poetry. Like he's one of those, like, so many uh, artists, writers, mm. not recognised at the time, probably mm. because of his shit rhyming skills. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that's not a poem, it doesn't rhyme. This I'm out of here.
3: This podcast, not afraid to take down William Blake. <laughs> uh, um,
4: but, uh, yeah, I do think that... Uh, even so it's it's this broadening of his appeal and mm. awareness that people have mm. through you know the, the movie didn't quite nail it but i think the television series has mm. and the fact that it's not a complete remake it is you know the, the next chapters yeah. as it were well it's an extension really yeah. isn't it yeah that it will make people go back and and read the comics and not in a way that you know people who enjoyed Game of Thrones will go. Well, I'll go read the books. You go because it's it's too it's too different. There's, right. There's enough of that out there with things like The Walking Dead. Right. Which it's almost like there's two parallel universes going on. Same characters doing different things. Yeah. Um, Whereas
3: this is not contradicting
4: no. anything that happens, and and it's supplemental to mm. the, the main text. Mm. So yeah, I absolutely see a world where then people can find it after the fact, and also based off you know the, the guy that was crea- the creator of it completely disapproves of the fact that this show is being oh like, completely, like, which I think enhances it somewhat.
3: Well, I think Lindelof has also said that he feels like maybe he's been he's had a curse put on him. Well, it's also uh, say
4: it took the pressure off, the fact that, you know, well, if he's not going to watch it anyway, and no yeah. matter what I do, he's not going to like it,
3: at least means, cool, I don't have yeah. to have the distraction
4: I'm of, I'm making this for Alan Moore as well. Right,
3: right. Uh, if if he found out I was doing a podcast about the TV show and then he gave me a curse, I might just use that as an excuse every time something bad happens to me. Ah, uh, it's the Alan Moore curse. Alan Moore curse. Ah, oh, God, I should not have done that podcast. He has cursed <laughs> the shit out of me. What a disaster. But the... Um, there's a, There was a page that I wanted to um, uh, talk to you about mm-hmm. which was kind of a page that I flipped over at the time and then I've gone back to it. Is the There's that page where the detectives go and it's the guy who's worried about... It, it's been a murder and a, a man who was worried about nuclear war killed both of his kids mm-hmm. in front of his wife and then took a knife to his own jugular. Mm-hmm. And... I'm fascinated by that because I it, there's so many pages and you do so much reading and you do so much unpacking of all the other characters and then you like I just kind of forgotten that page mm. and it's pretty dark and I don't think it ties into any of the exact story that's going on but i think it's just a reflection of the times and how everyone's feeling and once again there is uh, to me uh, in lindelof's the leftovers in the third season they're coming up to the 7th anniversary of uh, the uh, everyone disappearing and there is a there's a little uh, scene with a with a frenchman on a submarine who thinks it's going to happen and tries to start a nuclear war, and it's just funny in hindsight. To I'm not saying once again that I'm correct, but it feels like that was the submarine thing was uh, Lindelof's murder, sure from uh, from the comic. But it well, is. Well, it's
4: interesting that you use the term how people uh, are feeling mm. in this when it's really how people felt. Oh yes, because you've got to remember, like this is the eighties oh, yeah. this has come out. Yeah, it's it's a very contemporary story setting for for the time mm. that eerily lands where we are now. Right, with the divisions that we have with left and right and people's opinions, and um, you know, we're we're both fighting for the same cause in a way. Yes, but my way is the right way, and your way is the wrong way, and both sides are just sit, sit there yelling at each other. So, heaven help us, we do maybe need a giant squid to, f- you know, fall out of the sky. Right. Teleport out of, the, out of, you know, just explode everywhere. Yeah. So, um, but the idea that when the, the Cold War was a very real thing mm. that was kind of happening and then, you know, f- for a child that kind of grew up in that era, right. like, you know, I was, you know, 10, 11 years old around this time, this time that it, the, the comic book is set, it really was... This idea that Russia and the US, U.S. were, as the name suggests, there was a war, but no one was fighting it. We were mm. just both sitting there, and you were told all it took was someone had, had their finger on a button. Mm. And that when World War Three happens, World War I is being fought in the trenches, World War II is being fought from the air, this one is going to be, there won't even be fighting. Mm. Someone will get mad at someone else, a button will be pushed, right. and we are all gone, yeah. Because nuclear war destroys this entire planet, yeah. And that was something that just—that realization was a terrifying thought. Oh, and it permeated for a long, long time. Eventually, it kind of just became something that's in the background.
3: Well, it was, it was but once, it was there once the Berlin Wall went down. And, uh, thank, and you, yes. <laughs> thank you, David Hasselhoff. Yes, thank you, David Hasselhoff. But it, it was one of those things where uh, it felt like, oh. Whew, now we're on our way to recovery. And now right. in the current uh, climate, uh, a mild pun, we, we, we once again have that fear. We have economic fear. But now the great, the great fear now is climate change. Exactly. And, we're, and we're seeing examples of it everywhere mm. at the moment. So you have
4: to think for that fear, which still exists in the reality of Watchmen, right. the difference that they have is the U.S., has Dr. Manhattan. Well, So while he's standing behind President Richard Nixon, Yeah. Uh, Russia is not going to do anything. Yeah. Everything's fine, and despite the fact that there probably is an even colder Cold War, mm. of oh, well, we hate you, but you know, you've got a pretty tough ally secret weapon there. Yeah. And then when he decides to just disappear, and in some respects it's their doing, because he gets harassed on the television show, right. and gets cornered with all these questions, and then he just poof, into thin air. Yeah. It's like it hasn't been something that's just bubbling up to the surface. This is like a rug is pulled out. Right. Where suddenly the U.S. are like, oh, shit, from the American point of view, like, We're, yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. Do it. We got we got Dr. M. He's going to you know, whack you with his big blue dick is probably what he's going to do. Right. Um, you know, how big do you want him? How powerful do you want him?
3: Yeah, the biggest turkey slap in the history of mankind.
4: All of every Russian (laughs) citizen and just teleport them to wherever the hell we ask. Yeah. So when that is taken away in a heartbeat, the panic that would just suddenly set in, it doesn't come it doesn't slowly build, it just on mass, And you, even uh, Bernie, the uh, is it Bernie, the newspaper salesman? Yeah, yeah. Is starting to have all these fears of, geez, because you know, he's the guy who sees all the news every day. Right. He's starting to go, geez, maybe we are in trouble. Right. All of a sudden, holy shit. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, this I think is a great example of, yeah, th- this type of thing could have happened. We're, we're setting up the fear mm. that then you also hear Adrian's assistant when she's like, whoa, I'm so scared. I don't know what's going to happen. It's planting this seed of well, he's taking all this in. He sees the panic. Yeah, his justification is, would be: Do you want f- families yeah. having a uh, murder suicide? Right. Is that what you want? Right. Because I've got a, I'm building a giant squid somewhere. Right. But what and he's that also, can fix this.
3: But you know, in his uh, in his blinkered uh, view on the world, he he helped murder those people by getting yeah, rid that's of Doctor Manhattan. That's true. You know what would be oh, uh, a, if they were going to make a. So, Little Officer said that these nine episodes tell one story. That's it, and he doesn't know if they would do another one. Maybe they will. They'll see how this goes. But maybe they wouldn't. Upon watching it, I could see where you'd go, get to the end of it, and go, "No, nah, we've told our story. We don't really need to go further." He suggested that you could do, you could have other people come in and and do stuff, almost like a like a true detective style, where it's yeah. all set in the same universe. Yeah. I wonder if a. Um, what would be a really fun story is after uh, after the squid has landed do do uh, a, a short series on the journalist who asks all the questions who sent Said Dr. Dr. Manhattan Man- 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 off and he's just like dealing with his family going what were you hoping to get out of this? Like, do you realize how this is your fault? And it's just about this shunned journalist who asked too many questions. <laughs> but also, again, it's so indicative of where we're where we are at in the
4: modern world. Right? There's something about looking back at at what feels like this is Alan Moore's opus. This is mm. him and and Dave Gibbons. It was a real. You can see how how much they um, collaborated on this together. That it really is getting. Fears, thoughts, opinions, mm. hopes, all, all of this in, in, under the guise of it's a comic book with, you know, rudimentary superheroes. Yeah. But so much of it makes sense for how we are today with those fear-mongering opinion. You, know, you wouldn't even say they're journalists. They're just yeah. people with with a, a, an outlet to, right. to shout their ideals on either side, but those who want to spread fear for their own means. Like that's what this journalist is. It's funny how so, no, it's not funny, but it's interesting to see how many of these um, points of view comments that are being made in, in this story um, are so relevant to the here and now to the point where you go, of course we can make uh, a television series Mm. that's set in the modern era and for all of this to make sense. Yeah. And for you to be able to talk back to uh, a, a comic book that was made 30 years beforehand and it still holds water. Because of course it does.
3: Because you know, w- this is exactly where we're at now. But the depressing lesson from it is that uh, human nature doesn't really <laughs> Nothing get any better. Changes. Nothing changes. <laughs> uh, we are our own
4: symmetry. Oh, Between yes. then it's... and now, it's the exact same panels. Yeah,
3: just the language just, and, the way and, yep. and, the, and how straight we stand has yep. changed. Uh, Tales of the Black Freighter, uh, the article at the back of this issue mixes real people who worked at DC with the fictional characters who help make up the mystery aspect of the story. In this pirate story, we see the narrator make his way back home to warn everyone about the terrible pirates that are on their way. And to make it back, he must shed his inhibitions to help stave off disaster. Uh, Which character do you think the narrator in the pirate story best reflects, or does he kind of reflect aspects of Everybody
4: I think it's the everybody I think it's exactly What we were talking about You know here's the guy Who's trying to Really just Find out what happened To his family mm. And the things He has to do The depths He has to Lower himself to mm. I'm going to Dig up dead bodies I'm going to Tie them to a raft To help it float Yeah um, I'm going to punch on surprise, With sharks Surprise surprise It brings sharks Yeah That was a surprise He says Yeah <laughs> Um, he, you know, the 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 description of to survive, he has to catch and eat a seagull. Yeah, and he fe- he literally feels it in his stomach. Oh, yeah, and then it makes him throw up. Not just because of of how his body is probably just not prepared to eat it, and it's probably giving him nutrition, but also because he overthinks. What have I just done? What have I become? And it physically makes him ill at right. the thought of it. That he he brings up the only meal that can keep him alive, yeah. Stabs a shark in the eye, right. Which also there's this, this great metaphorical line about how, uh, eventually the shark dies because it's he's using it to power the boat, <laughs> right. And eventually the shark dies, and then it stops swimming, right. It was a, to me a yeah. very powerful line. So yeah, I kind of feel like that to me is where is where all of these characters are at. You know, they're not, except for maybe Rorschach, I don't know, not necessarily proud of what they're doing. Right. You know, and even for, you know, you look at you know where, where um, Dan is at, he's ashamed of the fact he's not a vigilante anymore, that he's not out stopping people. And when and when that starts to come back, he has a purpose again. I mean, he literally describes himself as a leftover if you want another nod. Right, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah there is a know, there is that panel there. I mean, and it's like, on. Yeah, it's all coming together. And again, you know... You see the word "wedge" that the phrase "wedge" just leftovers, and what are you looking at? They're literal leftovers on the table of the food. Like, right. I mean, that's just so clever, yeah. so clever.
3: The uh, it it feels like it kind of represents a lot of them, but I, I wonder if it uh, is also maybe best for Adrian Veidt because he yeah. because he goes back to warn his family, and then you know he becomes he becomes. What he's afraid of, mm. and uh maybe that's kind of what Adrian becomes as well. Though he's, well, though I think he, he, not he is also sure. an example of again of where
4: everybody's at. Yeah, I think right. he just has the means to achieve what I think. You know, even going back to the example of the guy who looks around just going, "What can we do? Mm. Nothing. I'm going to tell my children there is no reason to live anymore because there's a war." Right. And that's the last thing the girl says before they're all killed in front of the mother. Oh yeah, you yeah. know. So that was that guy's way out. It's pretty drastic. Yeah, but so too is hmm, bioengineered squid. Yeah, like it's, telepathic it, squid. Oh my god, you know it's just different means to the same end in a way. Yeah, it is. Uh, he's <laughs> he's a fun fun character. It's, it, people, that's what I love. that's what I, I think. People who shit on the idea of well, that just is dumb. Yeah. And look admittedly my wife was asking me about this, the symbolism of the squid. Right. in the television series and I just quickly tried to explain well this is how the, the comic book ends.
3: Oh yeah. But
4: I did it very quickly cuz I was like this this does not make this is going to sound really weird. Yeah. But if you preface it by saying this was he had this he had this weird plan to bring the entire planet together mm. by thinking there was some extraterrestrial attack happening is kind of the best way of putting it, rather than say, there's a giant squid. Right, yeah. It's a, that's actually a good way to do it. By telepaths the, and scientists have created a squid.
3: I found it interesting in episode four that uh, Looking Glass still thinks that the squids, the baby squids are coming from yeah. a, uh, another dimension.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact that that's a, one of the questions that he poses to people is, do you think that's a conspiracy or not? When yeah. they're in the um, racist detector, is that oh, what was Oh, yeah, yeah, the as? racist detector. But also, it's also nicely hinted at uh, with the fact that he's got this weird um, lynx character, right. uh, pet. Yeah. That he is you genetically um, altered. Yeah. So it's kind of this, you know, for anyone knows a lynx, they're kind of, you know, relatively small cat, you know, larger than a cat, maybe more of a dog size. And this thing's like, looks like a tiger. Oh, yeah. 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 So it's, he's, he's, it's hinted that, oh, yeah, he's already been fiddling around with. DNA of creatures. Oh man,
3: he is. Uh, it's it's fascinating. Have you been reading the PDpedia? Stuff? No,
4: I I have. I have been listening to your suggestions about it.
3: Though. Oh yeah, there is a there is a bit that's. Uh, there's a lot fills, to take in. Oh, there's so much to take <laughs> in. There's a there's a bit that fills in the gap of what happened after uh, the squid hits and ah. Adrian Veidt. You know, once again, for the smartest man in the world, he thinks, well, now I will, very much like Lex Luthor, now I will make the world a utopia through technology. But everyone decides collectively that technology is what brought the squids through. So so it ushers in an era of Luddites, and that's why we don't have the internet in this world, and that's why we don't have mobile phones, because everyone went, well, it's technology that's bringing them in. We have to get rid of the That's technology. That's a great concept. Oh, yeah, I fantastic. love that. Uh, some squid bits to finish with. Mm-hmm. Once again, there are so many that you could pick out. If you've got any that you want to throw in, please do. But uh, some that um, are, are kind of fun. On panel five, uh, of, uh, early on in the issue, I haven't put down the page number, uh, Moloch notices the food out of the fridge defrosting yeah. on the floor which is a nice bit of storytelling because he didn't notice an in issue two. Like, not only is he getting the shit scared out of it. he got the MO now. When his, uh, when his anxiousness uh, kicks back in, you know, and he thinks, oh, God, I wouldn't mind having a snack. There's nothing <laughs> to eat. I, It's, once again, it is one of those things that in the rereading, uh, I am, fi- I, that has just made me laugh so much, The the effort to... Yeah, Look, that, that to me is just again great. like
4: the uh, the him sort of glancing down at the gun. You just see you know just his eyes darting down. Yeah, uh, on uh, I don't
3: know graphic novels page one hundred and forty eight.
4: But also, just does Rorschach just eat a raw egg? Is that what yeah. happens there? Yeah,
3: which has been interesting with all the egg imagery in the TV series. as yeah, well. Yeah, true,
4: true. But I always wondered like because was, he was slurping it, whether it was hard boiled or not. Um, no, I
3: feel like he's. Uh
4: uh, I uh, One of the things I wanted to bring up was there's a lot of obviously reference to the Gunga Diner.
3: Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh,
4: and uh, in reference to Gunga Din, another mm. very famous poem, which is right, uh, yeah. the final Keep line is, You're a better man than I am, Gunga right. Din. And I thought the imagery of that, you know, within all of this of, oh, yeah. you know, um, trying to do the greater good, um, and th- especially for those who will, you know, also just sit back and let it happen. There's um, Oh, you keep going. Oh, well, ha- I'm trying to find an actual panel I need to reference.
3: Uh, page seven, there's a Grateful Dead poster. Oh. So here's a little bit of uh, information. Uh, is, that that
4: what, is that the Skull and Crossbones one? Oh, yeah. So,
3: ah. I, so I've got uh, Watchmen annotated by uh, Leslie... I can't quite see the name from here. Leslie S. Uh, Klinger, which is fantastic for anyone who wants to uh, really get into this but Moore suggested to dave gibbons some 60s styled poster around the murder scene yes and gibbons immediately thought of the grateful dead he had a copy of a book called album cover album and <laughs> looked up the grateful dead and found an album called and i'm not going to know how to pronounce this Aoxomoxoa. A- a-o-x-o-m-o-x-o-a which is a palindrome. At Justin Hamilton Comedian for all of you who want
4: to get mad at him
3: right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's not how you pronounce it. I know. It's, it's some, I will allow Viet Vite, but dear God. As a Moser. As, as a, as a Moser. Anyway, look, yeah, if anyway. someone does know, please let us know. Uh, there's an underscore on that Twitter handle. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's a palindrome and is therefore symmetrical. And the cover design, oh, nice! Yeah, like a nice bit of you know when you are working on things, because you ha- you have that when you are working on things and you are looking for stuff, it's amazing what turns up. And then the, that skull and crossbones
4: imagery through the whole
3: right, the whole. So the cover design was symmetrical and featured not only a stylized skull and bones, uh, which is a motif throughout the comic, but also an Egyptian winged sun, which was identical to Osimandius's belt. Oh. So, you, could you imagine being Dave Gibbons and you go, Ah, oh, Grateful Dead, I wonder if there's a cover. Eureka!
4: Are you ready for this? Because I, I misinterpreted what they were looking at initially when, right. I, when I saw that panel. So, I thought they were looking at the. Because there's a reference to the poster of Buddha yes. at the murder scene, saying you know, people who have these spiritual beliefs. And I guess, you know, we're at right at the moment, when something like this happens, it makes you start to question, is there a God at all? Right. Um,. And so when they're later on back in the uh, evidence room going through their stuff, um, also a big shout out to the name Officer Capaldi, by the way, for Doctor Who fans. Yeah. Um, I uh, I thought initially they were looking at the poster of the Buddha with Right. the reference to, oh, I once had uh, a, an album with this on the cover. Right. So I went looking for, well, what's the album with the Buddha on the cover? Oh, right. And there was one, uh, f- I think it was... Uh, I think it was Cat Stevens had one. Right. And the
3: chocolate box. Right.
4: And um, and I thought, oh, maybe that's what it is because the idea was the album title came about from uh, him being on a plane and there was turbulence and he thought it was going to crash and he was reading a book uh, about Buddhism while eating a box of chocolates. Oh. And I thought, if I die now, what what are people going to think of me? Because I've got a very spiritual thing in one hand right. and a very materialistic uh, indulgent thing in the other hand right and so where does that leave me which I thought was a really interesting probably uh, concept for this yeah 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 moral question that everyone finds yeah. them in and then realised
3: oh no he's looking at a different poster with skull and crossbones so still fits in it's completely wrong right. um, doing it. like uh, that's totally in my wheelhouse. I'm, I'm yeah, sure Yeah, right. That's why I just went
4: on hammer. I'll be proud of me. That's, I was completely there, wrong.
3: There's heaps of things that I've thrown out on this podcast that, I, you know, once again, I'm like Rorschach. The things that are a little stick can, will make the, me look great, but the things that are idiotic.
4: <laughs> the beautiful thing is it makes you start looking at things that way. Yeah,
3: yeah. And that's that's a great thing. Uh, On page 10, you can see a movie playing, the 1936 Things to Come, written by H.G. Wells. The movie imagines a war that lasts until the 1960s and plunges the world into a new dark age, which makes sense that this world would be fascinated with it, considering nuclear destruction uh, is imminent. I think Things to Come was the name of the book where we get the quote for the title for episode four as well. Mm-hmm. Um which I won't uh, go into now cuz I already been there done that. Heard everyone's heads uh when we recorded that episode. <laughs> uh, also one of the cops makes
4: reference to Hibby Tigers as they mm. enter uh Moloch's uh, house too. Yeah. Knowing that Rorschach's in there. Um and speaking of this I only honestly just noticed this on the way in. Mm. When um we have just gone through the assassination attempt uh on on V and then uh, we go back into the the pirate comic for a little bit and then the we cut to the um, newspaper vendor who says, "I bet there's all kind of stuff we never notice and he's talking about you know it's not just what we see on the surface but it's uh, all this other stuff that we don't notice is his actual line. And what I'd never noticed myself mm. until literally an hour before coming to see you right. in the background of him saying there's stuff that you never notice is uh, the end is nigh sign yeah. of the guy rummaging in the bin. Yeah. That, you know, only the next page is there's Rorschach. Opening yeah. up the message to say, "Hey, come to my house tonight." Yeah,
3: there's a, there's also so there's
4: what they're actually telegraphing is I'm telling you, right? Although there. you'll find out by the end of this chapter. Yeah, but if you're keen-eyed, they're in plain sight, just happening in the background, right? If you were smart enough, you'd go, "Oh, well, that's he's the sign guy. He's right. the end is nigh guy." Well,
3: that's kind of what the TV series is doing as well. It's yeah. it's kind of giving away, uh, you know, in hindsight punchlines and uh and little I mean little visual so cues. much
4: Night owl stuff. And I know yeah we've we've referenced you know where Night Owl is in the T V series. Yeah but it still feels like it's just it's just there a lot. I'm really
3: yeah. into Alexis uh desire for us to see Night Owl as played by Paul Giamatti. <laughs> like he's just It just feels about right, doesn't <laughs> he's it? He's really shlubbed it up. Uh finally uh there is Raw Shark's case number which is eight zero one one zero eight. So the palindromes and the s- symmetry go all the way down nice. to his goddamn <laughs> case number. Whew. But also, you know, again, that's
4: you know he refers to his mask as his face. Mm. You know, this is you know that's his big. You know, you s- just seeing his power taken away from him. Mm. You know, when he he falls asleep with his mask on, he's terrified. Oh, that someone could have walked in and found out who I was. And then mm. at the end of the chapter, when it's Ripped off him And it's just Like the worst Thing you could do To him Yeah And he's completely In that moment Stripped of everything And the next chapter You know Just When you find out Everything about him But even when they say Oh he's got lifts On his shoes As well Like just suddenly Just Everything up into that moment, he's the cool guy who's like, yeah. "What can I grab from this apartment and set the place on fire? I'm going to run up the stairs and, yeah. you know, um, and like, he's, a, like an animal. He's literally described as an animal in this, yeah, in this chapter,
3: uh, and and it turns out he's Tom Cruise. He's
4: just nothing. Oh, just yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jumps out the window and it's like, oh, oh no, we have, to, we have to shut down filming for three months. Yeah, um, but also, you know, there's also uh, a link to. Um, the protagonist in the pirate novel, who's after all he's done, looks at him the, as he's thrown up in the water, right? Looking back at his own face, and he's he can't tell whether it's him or not. He sees all the lines, yeah. but says, literally, I can't piece this face together. Yeah which, uh, again, to me, is very much the same as Rorschach. He's got two sides to his face. The whole reason he chooses that mask, as we find out, is because it's just black and white. There is no grey, and that's what he likes about it. Yeah. Even though the woman who ordered the dress hated it for that reason.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like, uh, in, in finishing up, I feel like maybe Looking Glass is actually going to be a cool version of Rorschach because he's he's got a similar look. Mm-hmm. He often doesn't take his mask off. He's quite he's either living in a bunker behind a house or he has a house with a bunker. Mm-hmm. Like I can I couldn't quite work out. For a moment I wondered if he was in her backyard, but I but I, I was <laughs> like he's just out the back.
4: But he also well, the kids move out. You go, what do we do with the bunker? Do we turn it into a spare games room uh, or is it a, a, a secret lair for my friend? Um, Let him move my in. Friend?
3: <laughs> but, but he has compassion. Like, you oh, know, yeah. and he is...
4: Uh, but smart too. Yeah, really smart. But really smart. You know, yeah. He's getting quizzed about, uh, you know is the stuff I'm looking up, is this for that grandfather right. guy? And let me guess, it's because you don't want that FBI lady finding yeah. out. And let me guess, you also don't want her to know about the pills.
3: Like, yeah, he's just, and he he's also just... had a girlfriend. Like, <laughs> so, do you know <laughs> what I mean? So, so I'm wondering if this series is going to give us, here's the shark that we can get behind. Yes, exactly. Because this other one is insane. And this guy, he's, you know, he's got some stuff on. So far going so on. good. Yeah. At, at, at the time of recording, so far so good. Yeah. Uh, thank you for doing uh, the podcast. A what, pleasure. You thank have a- you
4: for, for doing it. I have thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> th- every layer of it and, and listening to you slowly unravel. Um, uh, as
3: I keep saying, after every episode, there's a solid 10 to 15 minutes where I sit back and I think, oh, Jesus Well, I Christ. love that
4: you have uh, owned it with a... Um, a a segment of it that now is <laughs> um, I live by myself. Yeah, I spend too much time, <laughs> time on alone, it. Thought,
3: Yeah. Uh, so that's,
4: I think, very important that you accept that. But, um, yeah, it's it's been thoroughly enjoyable. I, you know, this is one of my all-time favourite uh, comic books. So to get back into it and, and enjoy it again has been – and listening to other people enjoying it again. Yeah has been wonderful. So, yeah. So, congratulations.
3: It's been uh, fun to uh, get back into that uh, community, as mm-hmm. it were. And uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll be able to announce something as well. Oh, no, we can't tell you now because we have to turn it off. Bye. Thanks once again to Rove McManus for joining me on the podcast today. We'll have some exciting news for Australian peeps very soon. So, keep an eye out for that. I wonder what that could be. Hmm hmm, you probably know what it is, but officially, hmm. If you're enjoying this podcast, please give us a nice rating on whichever platform you use, and feel free to encourage anyone who you think would be in our wheelhouse to come and join us. Uh, over at our Facebook page, uh, you know, we have the, uh, the official Big Squid with Justin Hamilton. Uh, we also have a private conversation area. Anyone can join. It's just a nice, safe space to be able to Talk and throw your ideas out there without ha- feeling a need to write spoilers in capital letters before every <laughs> you know update that you throw in. Uh, I've also really enjoyed the responses from a lot of you. Uh, you uh, for people who don't know, uh, I've thrown out some uh, other comic book suggestions, and people are getting stuck into it and uh, letting me know what they think. So you know what? Maybe I'll um, maybe I'll put together a proper list and uh, and. Uh, yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll put together a proper list and then you can pick and choose at your leisure and you can kind of look at it uh, and, and see what might uh, might appeal. You know what? I'm going to write myself a note now to do it for next week's podcast with Ben Elwood. Uh, Ben's back and we are breaking down Chapter 6. Interesting podcast, that one, because we recorded that straight after the uh, the first podcast I recorded, which was the Richard Feidler Podcast, and there's an interesting conversation which I I won't tell you what it is, but it's uh, it's very interesting uh, knowing that it was recorded just before the uh, TV series began. Hmm, hmm, all these little forward hooks for you. What am I, a, a commercial radio host? Yuck. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, I've just written down uh, that uh, note, so I'll make sure I do that next week. Uh, Also, don't forget to check out PDpedia for extra information on the Watchmen world. It's worthwhile checking out. There's lots of great stuff in there. There's some funny little things as well, but uh, it really does help flesh out the TV series in many ways, like the ancillary uh, parts of uh, the the graphic novel. So don't forget to go and have a peruse of that. Uh, I'd better run. I have to go and catch a plane, so look after yourselves out there. And I will catch up with you again next week.